Are you ready for cocktails and conversation? This is Herspiration Happy Hour. Happy Wednesday and welcome to another episode of Herspiration Happy Hour. This season five. This is episode 21. I at least remember that today. Uh, and this is your unapologetic diva, Dr. G. This is Cortina Peters, a.k.a. The Girlfriend Therapist. And this is Louisa Harrell, a.k.a. The Blue Phoenix. All you right. And so what are we speaking uh, today? Yeah, uh, you must hear me. I said, how are you, ladies? No, I'm good. <laughs> it's been a day, and that's one of our yeah. conversations we're going to have. But what are we sipping yeah. on today? Well, we're sipping on something simple. We're just going to have a little uh, three-ingredient cocktail. It's, you take uh, four mint leaves and muddle it in a glass, uh, one-ounce vodka, put some ice on that, and then pour lemon-lime salt on top and enjoy. It's called a citrus mint. Oh, okay. It sounds really refreshing, too. Sounds yeah. Something real good. Get you in the summer vibes. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, speaking of summer vibes and or not so much, um, I know we normally do our WCWs. And at first I did I did have mine, but I just have to just first of all, we, instead in lieu of doing um, our WCWs, I would love for us to just kind of give a moment of silence um, for Gosh, all of the tragedies that's going on, especially in Texas. Yes, absolutely. And so just want to take a moment and just, you know, recognize and, and quietly pray for all of the victims, the families um, that just have to go through now and not have their kids, their parents, their, you know, their grandparents. Um, so we're just going to take a quick moment of silence for that. All right. All right. Um, I, I I did that for so many reasons. I think today has probably been one of the most emotional days that I have really ever had in a long time. Um, and I think that part of it is because I, I was sharing with Cortina when we, before we went live. It's that I've been in several schools. I've, I've talked to several kids and I always feel and felt as though, especially at, at an elementary school, schools should be a safe haven, not a war zone. Yeah. And the, the, the mere fact that in, in, after this has happened and what you're seeing on the news is that whether he was an illegal immigrant or any of that, instead of really dealing with what the problem is up front is gun control. And then right after the heels of this happening, uh, I was online. Of course, I'm always looking and I'm reading and I read what people post. So I was reading a story about a 13 year old that was up in New York that took a gun to school and he had it down in his waist pants. And 
why at 13 do you have access, just that much access to a weapon right. to school? But then the other part is what the hell is wrong with these children and young adults that they, they need this to feel safe? Why aren't there gun control laws being really talked about now? This shit should not be happening. There's no reason why elementary school students should go to school and not expect not to make it home. There's no reason that elementary school teachers who are underpaid and give their, their, their time and their hearts and their energy to children to go to school to teach and not be able to make it home. So I wanted to have this conversation because there's just so many things that's wrong and all this finger pointing. And even with the situation with the child that was in a 13 year old in New York, it said that the police have not interviewed the student because his parents declined to allow him to speak with the police. I, yes, it said he was taken into custody and will be charged with second degree criminal possession of a weapon and criminal possession of a firearm and criminal possession of a weapon on school grounds. But the police was not able to interview him. I'm trying to figure out why in the presence of his parents, did they not feel comfortable with the police interviewing him? They could have even gotten a, a psychologist or sociologist or a counselor or someone to be in that room with them, with all of them when those discussions are being had. Mm -hmm. Why is a 13 year old taking a gun to school? Why is a parent dismissing the fact that conversations need to be had, questions need to be answered? What was his goal? And why is it that if that's the case, why aren't the parents being charged? Well, see, you know what? I, I'm, I'm over the fact that, you know, because I don't think charging a parent is going to, it, it, it's not going to amount to anything at this point. Well, no, I mean, the fact that they're, the fact that this happened and somebody needs to say something, you're not allowing your child to speak to the police. Somebody needs to know something because what if it had went the other way? What if it had went in the other example of the mass shootings that just happened? It's too many happening. I, I they, you know, no, I'm saying I agree with that, but I don't think arresting the parents are going to get us more answers without talking to this child. Mm -hmm. You know, what what was going on in this child's mind that he felt the need to take a weapon to school? They don't know, was this child being bullied? They don't know anything in the and nothing has come out any different. And, and so it goes back to why is it so easy for people to have access to these weapons? And what needs to be held accountable is. If these weapons are not locked up in the home, then oh heck yeah, that, that, yeah, <clears throat> ability. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a lot. Cortina, how do you feel about this? I mean, it is a lot. I didn't even <laughs> let Morgan go to school today. Um, I, I just had so many mixed emotions. One because it was fresh yesterday. Two, it was the last day of school, and you know sometimes even on last day of school, and she's in high school, people do crazy stuff. Yeah, and, and it it was. Emotionally, it was a lot. Like I, I caught myself a few times, like holding back tears. Not that I think it's anything wrong with crying, but I could feel my, I could feel 
a lump in my throat and, you know, my eyes misting, especially when I started seeing the pictures of these sweet, innocent babies. And it's different when you just hear, okay, such and such number of people died. But when you are able to put a face with the tragedy, with the name, it gives it a whole nother level of trauma and humanness, if that makes sense. It's like you send your children to school, you think they safe, and you never see them again. Like they're, they're just gone. And, and like, um, um, the coach for the Golden State Warriors said he was like, I mean, it's only a few people that's holding up the real gun control people. Like he didn't even see that. We're not talking about basketball tonight. Like that's going to be hell. We ain't even talking about it. We need to figure out like enough is enough. Like we cannot keep saying, oh, my prayers, my condolences, all this other kind of stuff for people. Cause guess what? It happens. And then it happens again, and then it happens again, and then you get to the place where you're desensitized to it, and then it's like, that's just okay. You asked the question earlier. I think it's kind of multi-leveled or layered as to why this is happening. One, I think children at that age, developmentally, their minds cannot concept the finality of death. Like, you can't- I 100% agree. Ain't, ain't, ain't no resets. You can't reset and start the game over again. It's done. It's over. Yeah. I think they have a, a, a lack- of impulse control. They don't have clear understanding of what's happening inside of them as it relates to emotions. I think parents are not as insightful or aware of what their children are doing and or have access to. I think that there are a lot of red flags that are missed when it comes to these situations. And it just creates the perfect storm for tragedy. I agree. And it's just sad. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's sad. Yeah, I found myself tearing quite a bit. I, I went through quite a bit of tissue today, just everywhere I looked online. And you're, like you said, the more the pictures was coming out and the, you know, the students with their kids coming mm -hmm. out, it was like killing me. It's like, are we, what the hell is wrong with America? And then and some people had the, the nerve. You say, oh, that's why mental health is important. Don't get me wrong. Mental health is very important. But there are just some individuals who just do bad things. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with their mental health. Am I going, am I going to contribute the Boston shooter, or not the Boston, sorry, the Buffalo shooter to mental health? No, no, because racism is not a mental health issue. No. So... We cannot just say, oh, my thoughts and prayers and mental health is important. <laughs> I agree. Like that just don't make any sense. Yes, mental health is important, but also getting stricter laws that uh, don't allow uh, assault rifles to be just open. As soon as he turned 18, his first thing that he did was went out and bought an assault rifle. Yeah. Why you 18? What you doing? With an assault rifle? Okay, handgun, cool. You want to protect yourself? All right, cool. An assault rifle? Why, 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 why do you even need all of that? Like, I mean, I feel like, why do you need that even at 18? That's what I, I think still 18 is, is super young. You can't even drink at 18. Why the hell should you be able to buy a weapon? No, exactly. no. I mean, I feel like the only way, if you want to be 18 and carry a weapon, take your ass in the military and serve. 
I mean, otherwise, otherwise, I feel like you should be at least 21 and have lived a little bit and experienced some things for a little bit before you are able to purchase a weapon. Hell, you can't, uh, you, you can't even buy cigarettes what, unless you're 18. And as soon as people get 18, they go. They, I think they changed it to 21 now, I believe. Oh, did they change it to 21? Then that's not a bad thing I either. It, but I believe that's what they're working on. But it's just it's we're we're at this place, and so here's my other thing, my my other beef with with Congress. You so fucking pro-choice and or pro-life. You so fucking pro-life, but you not you don't want to protect anybody. I'm like you you're pro-life, but we can we we finally getting some baby food in. You're pro-life, and you and yet we have no gun laws to protect our children. What what is wrong here? So here's my thing. Before you before I let you say, here's my thing. If y'all people want to really start making a difference, take your ass out there and vote in November. This is a big year to vote because you're gonna affect who is down here on the hill making some of these decisions. You're gonna talk. You're talking about community, local, state gov. You know, government. Go out there and vote. Know who your people are. Know that they that there are people out here who definitely want to protect your kids who are not going to go with the status quo that are willing to fight for you out here. I mean, we cannot, we can't keep saying we want to fix things and we're not doing what it will take following people's platform. And I know some people say all politicians are liars, but that some people in your local government, I can't always speak for the Hill because they fight down mm -hmm. there, but your local government, there are a lot of people who are out here trying to protect their own children. And that's why they run for local office because they know going down to the hill, it's like all of these people that need to be voted out that they keep, you know, voting in to stay in those seats. It's a fight. Mm -hmm. But your local government, your local and state government really matters. So go out there and vote. I'm not saying don't vote for people on the hill because you do so vote all the way. But your local and state, your state and local governments, they have elections this year, too. And it's time that we start making some differences in the people who are in office at the state and local level. Mm -hmm. I was going to say some of, for example, a fetus has more rights <laughs> than a living person from yeah. conception to why you still in the womb up until the day you are born, you have more rights than, than women. Child pets have more rights than, than women. And, and I think it's just absolutely ridiculous when you think about, okay, anybody can go on in and get a gun, right? Mm -hmm. But for a woman, a woman, there's a waiting period. If you, if you want to get an abortion, right? They have this, you know, the little window period thing. You have to, for, in some states, go through counseling to make sure this is what you want. When you're walking to the abortion clinic, you have all these people, calling you all these other things. I saw something on Instagram that said, well, what if we made people who want to buy a gun do the same thing? And when they walk in to go buy a gun, people calling them murderers and everything like that. Um, and making them wait a waiting period and all of these different things. I was like, the disproportionate or, or the disproportion when it comes to like what's good for something is not necessarily good or it doesn't have the same weight as something else. And the only people who seem to be okay with it are these politicians who have the all the power to change the laws. 
You have the power to change the laws, but you won't because of power, greed, making sure you're talking to whoever voted you in, uh, the money that you put into lobbying efforts, you know, because the NRA pays the senators, right, mm -hmm. and the House people. So if I'm taking money from them, which is, by the way, illegal, can't do kickback. So if I'm taking money from them and they put money in my pocket, I'm going to vote the way they want me to vote or have inaction. Because if I do, then guess what? I'm not going to have this money no more. And so I think money more than anything is what causes inaction or action. Whatever side of the poll has the most money, that's the side that's going to win, which is absolutely sad at the hands of risking innocent lives. That's crazy. Yeah. The power of the purse. That's what, this call, that's what they call it. Those, those with the money make they have the most have the most leeway taken for them. They get the leeway um, and get their way. And that's that's so unfortunate. So I, I definitely feel as though we need to, as a community, do better, really do better. And then like you said, Cortina, when everybody's screaming mental health is real, there's a difference between mental health and outright pure ego. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. There's a huge difference between that. There are literally extremely evil people out here and and not to be funny i always think to myself during slavery time some of these people were super evil some of the things that they thought to do to black slaves yes. you could not there's nothing mental about that and that is just strictly pure evil, evil. it's evil and so what you so we can't we can't blame everything on mental health we have to just learn to accept that in this world, there are people who are, are, there's nothing wrong with them other than the fact that they're just evil. They don't have to like people. They don't have to dislike people. They're just evil spirited. And that's and the, but the fact that they keep saying mental health is because people are getting off of these heinous crimes, just evil crimes and saying that they have mental issues. Everybody's screaming mental health. How in the world can you plot and sit and research and go to a place because there are black people there? Yeah. It's just That's, That's not a mental issue. Correct. That's pure hatred. There, There is, to me, hatred is evil, pure evil. And I feel like anyone who agrees or starts making excuses for this behavior as if it is as if it's something that was warranted or like even police brutality. I'm, I'm all, you know, sometimes I'm reading through the comments and you hear all of this stupid shit that people say, Oh, he should have, or she should have, or, you know, they right. uh, no, literally there are just people who are purely evil and have so much hatred in their heart that they're going to push and push to do what it is that they want to do. No, even at the expense of a life. We see it all the time. Somebody oh, said, after Sandy Hook, we said never again. But yet we yeah. let 3,865 more mass shootings happen. Oh, hammers. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's, That's a whole lot. lot. That's a whole lot. 
And it's so unfortunate because how do you, when it, when you start really talking about gun control, it is such a, it's somewhat a sensitive issue because some people feel like in this world, they have to protect their homes. So you, and the other thing is like, even some states, I don't think it should be that easy um, to get weapons. I know in Georgia, very easy to get weapons. Texas, very easy to get weapons, no waiting period. Maryland, you you have to take a class and all of that, unless you're prior service military, then it's waived. And in my mind, I'm thinking, no, everybody should probably take this because it doesn't mean that just because you're a veteran that you wrapped right, <laughs> you should have a weapon. That's true. Yeah, yeah, look at here. I've been married to a soldier before who wasn't wrapped right. I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, a yeah. lot of them have um, PTSD and and other things. And I'm not saying people who who have PTSD can't, you know, can't, shouldn't carry a firearm because PTSD is not just for those people who are in the military. People who have incidents that happen to them and continually relive it and have anxiety over it, that's still a level of PTSD. Car accidents, rape victims, um, even, you know, parents tragically dying, health scares or somebody has a stroke, might be scared to go to sleep at night. Uh, there's there's so many levels that of, of things that can cause people to have PTSD. I don't want people to think that I'm limiting. I'm limiting it to just the military. I'm just saying that it should not be this easy in no state. For anyone to get a weapon, just like there's age, there should be more age restrictions on on getting weapons. If we have such a weapon problem, why instead of 21, why not make it 25? More people are more mature. You graduated college. If you went um, there, there's a much longer waiting period. I think mentally there's a huge difference in how you think from at, at 25 than you would at 18, that you would at 20, that you would at 20. Absolutely. Your so, prefrontal cortex is more developed and because you're still developing at 21, 18 is still having those changes. So if, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I feel like if you have to start putting any restrictions in place, let's start with age limits and, and psycho, psycho, what is it? Psychology or uh, psychological exams. Why not? Why not? I think you should be able to have those, some boxes checked off and just to make sure that we're protecting the voices that can't protect themselves because Texas was a clear example that kids happily went into school and did not make it home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that just, that kills me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people who that shouldn't have a problem. If you have a problem with having these uh, boundaries or these uh, precautionary measures done, then you are looking to have a um, firearm to cause harm. Yeah. Not to protect yourself. Uh, and then, then that's why I think what Rihanna and them said that they wasn't raising their kids here in the United States. <laughs> mm hmm. They in Barbados. I can't, I don't even blame her one bit because mm -hmm. I would certainly feel that way. Certainly feel that way. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. My head's about to explode. So on, on a positive note, let's let's try to shift a little bit. Anything great that's going on out here? Um, well, personally, I submitted my proposal and it was approved for oh right. So excited. So Yay, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So now I can like really start. <laughs> oh, um, which I already started my project, but like really actually um 
continue it. And I designed um, my sex unveiled cards. And so it's the card game that makes communication sexy. Oh, oh that's so cool. Yes, I'm so excited. And Have you I, used them yet? Huh? Have you used them yet? No, I'm still creating them. I'm still, I had to get a, approval by my for my proposal because I didn't want them to have me to change something. And then I've done this work. That's mm -hmm. what messed me up a little bit. So I had to push pause on the work that I was doing to make okay. sure that they actually approved my proposal. So that is done. And I tend to tentatively defend um, August 22nd, 2022. Oh, good. That'll be that's my birthday. So hey. Oh, that's a good day. I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna. It, that's what the timeline says. That is my projected based on what I have what I have left to complete. So that's what I'm trying. All to right, do. that's a good day. So that was something good that happened. Huh. So Dr. Cortina Peters coming soon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Twenty two. That's exciting. That's so super exciting. Ah. That's such a you know great thing. How is the business going? Oh, it's going great. That just yeah, reminds me. When you're expansion, basically. Oh yeah, it's great. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh wow, it's like lick blickety black. I say, oh yeah, it's black. <laughs> um, but I guess because a lot of times, like when you think of like we do stuff for, like if you go like to a medical website, you might have black pictures, but like when you actually go to the website, it's like, oh. Oh yes, like, and then when you walk in, it's like uh black oh, black black. Yeah. Oh right. okay, like you was for real. I'm like, you thought so, it was a fake? Like, so no, you have to play play. <laughs> so let me just ask you this. Because you have such a central focus um and your target market is black, mm -hmm. what do you say to people who feel like you are causing a, a, a separation there, a lot of separatism there. It's almost like, you know, nail salons. You know, when you walk in there, you mostly gonna see women. Mm -hmm. But men are not denied or turned away. Mm -hmm. I am acceptive or accepting of everybody. However, this is a safe space curated for black and brown individuals. Just like with Honeypot, you know, it was made for, you know, black women with sensitive vaginas. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Can buy it. You know, it's just like that uh, cream of nature. You know, back in the days, it used to be for black people, right? But yeah, if, you, yeah. if you want to buy it, go ahead and go, go, go right on ahead and, and, and get it, you know, if that's what you want to do. Because oftentimes when we look for a therapist, we don't see anything reflective of us. Yeah. Of us. And so if part of my mission is to decolonize and destigmatize what it means to go to therapy, how am I doing that? I am doing that by shifting from therapy as usual. It's not what you're probably going to see over at Sally Sue's therapy spot, right? It's going to be something different. Um, and, and I um, include and embed the culture in every part of how we conduct therapy. For example, our chat and chew sessions, because food is such a big part of our culture that the therapist and the patient, we eat together. Because when I break bread, there's a barrier that is removed. Yeah, that's very smart. So, so I make sure when I am creating 
the different types of therapies that we do that I, I included that. That was important for me. I'm not breaking any ethical boundaries. The I, I only see adults. So, you know, for the most part. So it ain't like they got to get parent permission. And even if they did, they could, you know, and it's almost like if I'm eating with you, I trust you on a different level and I can be a little bit comfortable because my mind is not worried about, okay, is she looking at me? Is she judging me? She eating just like me. I, that's not even a thought in my mind per se. So it really takes away kind of like the, the, the awkward uncomfortableness when you're thinking about going to a therapeutic session. Mm-hmm. And so well, you're a genius. You're just a genius. <laughs> Thank you. I know. But you know, the reason why I asked that is because last year, I know when I first released my book series, there was so many, you know, there was some backlash um, a little bit about my books and me being a part of the problem and all of that stuff. Hey, <laughs> um, being a part of the problem. And I'm talking about my kids' books, not even oh. the books. Yeah, not what? even the books. Yes. Um, because my because I named my kids Brown Girl and Brown Boy. They found it to be an issue as opposed to just asking me, why would you give your 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 characters the name Brown Girl and Brown Boy? And I would have simply explained that I want children to see themselves not by a name, but just by a color. And brown is a color. My books are educational, so they're very vibrant in color. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. My, my main characters in my books are brown by choice. The uh, And I always tell people also, as a writer, no matter what I write, whether it's adult or children, I write what I know. I write from my perspective. Yes. I've never been a white woman. <laughs> yes. I've never been a white child. I've been a, a, a black a black girl or identified as a black girl with curly hair all my life unless it went until it was relaxed. And even when my hair was relaxed, no one ever thought it was my hair. Imagine yes. my trauma, always hearing, what are you mixed with? What are you this and that? So what are you? That what exactly. Are you really? Yeah. <laughs> you can't just be black. And I'm thinking, what? As a child, you should not have to explain that. Mm-hmm. And so my books, yeah. I want to cultivate the internal relationship that children have with themselves to see themselves and love themselves as they are. You know, not not feeling like, oh, because I see this this white girl or white boy who does all of these things and I, I want to be like them. I don't care that you want to be like them, but love your own skin. You know, you can say, oh, I want to do that. There's a difference between wanting to do that and wanting to be that color. Right. Or do that because they're that color. We children can disassociate so easily. And so but I wanted to break the stigma that one children, black children should see themselves in books. White children have no problem seeing themselves in books. It's quite common. Exactly. In a lot of ways that's going to enrich their upbringing. But then the other part is I believe in literacy. I don't define literacy like most people because I'm a creative. Mm-hmm. With my books, I choose to show children what they can do, what they can be, brighten the colors. But do if you if any of you have ever been to my kids red carpet or come out to my kids red carpet, I celebrate literacy, literacy and the creativity of it. So there is music. You need to be literate to be able to do music, art, <laughs> face paintings. You know, you need to be able to understand literacy for that too. Photography. There's, there's so many things. Everything in our life is tied to literacy. 
So that's the gift that I want to give to children. And do you know that children fall in love with video games? They learn how to read all of that stuff. They can describe everything. All yeah. the time. Mm -hmm. That's still a form of literacy. If you can teach kids how to read by what they love, not it's not mm. only talking open a book. But if you can put them in a place where they can get a book, get reading and say, all of this is fun. You have a better opportunity of having children understand and fall in love with what being literacy means and the importance of reading and the importance of importance of writing. Because there are some people can, who can read but can't comprehend a damn thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the truth. It's too <laughs> different. Yeah, that is the truth. Or, or don't understand the context. Don't understand tone. So that's why I ask you what I ask because so many people feel like because you gravitate to what's normal for you and, and are able to give that to people who are like you. I don't see where the problem should be. I don't even see why there should be an explanation of anything. Uh, but, but I also feel like as a black woman, I'm always having to explain why I do something, but nobody's asking these white women why they are doing things. And they I ask you because it's a position of privilege. Like, oh. how dare you have something and we're not included? <laughs> well, this ain't about you. Yeah. It's not. Um, yeah, like, you can go to probably, we, we still only make up 2% of the field anyway. Yeah. Um, so if, if that is true, you are more likely if you're going through insurance or if you're being referred to a provider, they're probably not going to be black, especially if you're going through your insurance or EAP, unless you specifically ask for one. All of the patients, I want to say like 98% of the patients that I see, they specifically came to me because they specifically wanted a black therapist. Like this was even before I promoted that. So I attract already who my center is created for. And so what it does, it continues to widen in that lens when people are searching and wanting to connect. Um, and I even have one clinician, like if you go to the website, you can look at the clinicians and they all have their bios and everything. I have one. I absolutely love it. Her picture is just totally different. You know, she has her singing bell. She has her crystals and her stones and she incorporates yoga and mindfulness and spirituality. And she's known as the mind, body and soul therapist. So if you are, we provide a lot of different things, but the focus is on curating that safe space for black and brown people. Right. Because mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have to explain to you what I mean when I say, you know what I'm saying? Or, and they're like, no, I don't. Can you share that with me? You done totally messed up the whole therapeutic process. Like, you know, we was just talking. And so it's funny because the vernacular that I use within my sessions is very like what I use from day to day, which attracts the patients. Cause it's like, dang, like you already get it. Like you right. know what I'm saying without me having to change my words or switch it up. Because if you have to change, how you speak, and I'm not talking about like your 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 perception, but I'm talking about just how you talk in everyday life. 
Are you really bringing the real version of you? And if you're bringing a pseudo version of you so that you can sound politically correct when you're talking to your therapist, how is that going to translate when you go right back to your regular life using the regular language that you use? So come on in as you are, your genuine self, so we can work on helping you to get to where you want to go while you are still the authentic version of who you are. Code switch, and some people are used to that. Yeah, yeah girl. But then you're not being honest when you do that, and that makes you miss out on getting a good session and freeing yourself from whatever you came for in the first place. Well, what do you say about that in in real life? Because there are people who code switch all the time. They they are at work and they speak one way, and then once they are off work, then they speak another way. That was really big uh, for me when I was in corporate America. And then it was some point where I just stopped it because I had got high enough where what you going to what you going to do? What you going to say? And y'all know like how I talk, I, I can, I sound very country sometimes. Okay. I don't know. That's just how I'm going to If I get real comfortable with you, it's just going to come out that way. And that is a part of being comfortable with you and not wanting to assimilate or be accepted right because who came up with professionalism because we only code switch because we feel as though our dialects or how we speak is not the king's english not but that was a rule created by black people i mean by white people okay so if i'm going to talk like this because even the way that i'm speaking right now some people would be like oh my god (laughs) that's so ghetto like no, I'm speaking because I'm not like, okay, yes. Okay, yeah, I totally get it. Like, no, I'm not speaking like that. If I have, and and sometimes naturally my voice will change because I ain't going to be yelling like I do, you know, when I'm with Morgan and stuff. But just you being your regular self, you don't have to put on um, just to make other people feel comfortable. Now, I do think there is a difference between like code switching where I'm not going to be using slang at the office, but my tone and my pitch and my rate, those different types of uh, things are going to be the same. Some of the words that I use might shift, but not necessarily the sound of the voice, if that makes sense. So I'm not going to make my voice sound more white to be more accepted. And so I think that is the difference when you're thinking about when when, when you're talking about code switching, um, like when I'm dealing with kids. Now, that might be a code, which I might change because I need to connect with them in a different way. The way I'm talking to you, ladies, if I'm trying to really connect, we might play ball. I might use some words and terms that I've learned from my daughter that I know that they will understand. So I think that is totally okay if you're trying to connect with a certain population of people. But if you are doing it and you have to ask yourself why, why do I feel like it's necessary for me to shift the way I am speaking? Is it to be accepted? Is it because I am in a boardroom with all these uh, high power white men and they might look down on me? Well, if they look down on me, that's a reflection of them. Because if they are expecting me to show up and speak a certain type of way because it's appropriate, do I even want to be impressing these type of people? Because it's going to take me back to where we tap dancing in front of Massa to entertain them. Like, So here's the other thing. And I, I, I always ask some people these questions, especially when they say when they say stuff to me. What does talking white mean? 
what does it mean to sound white? So, so you have to look at it like this. Like I, I, this is how I talk, right? This is how I talk. But for most people, when they think of professionalism, they think the more you assimilate to whiteness, that equates to assimilating to professionalism. So for some people, and I'm not saying the people that's just kind of crazy. Maybe they didn't grow up. And they're like, oh my God, you are talking white. No, I'm talking proper English. So even if I come to someone who may be in, let's just say somebody who like in the deep hood, like they be like, yo, you know, all that other kind of stuff. Even if I come to them talking just the way that I'm talking right now, they themselves may say you're talking white. So I think there's a separation between people saying that you're talking white when you speak differently than what they are used to. So in their mind, and that's the way they are perceiving you when it's not even really talking white. Because I don't, for, for the most part, I don't even think it's like a, a voice change or tone when it comes to that population of people saying you're talking white. No, I'm just speaking where you can understand me clearly, congruently, and then concise sentences. Well, to me, I, the reason why I asked that, because, if, you know, you have my book. And one of the things that I said in my Black Girl Activist book is that it, it's what it suggests Black to be. So it's not they, I do know that there are Black people who have never been around, you know, white people, just like there are white people who have never been around Black people. And they speak proper. They don't use slang. Uh, and so, it, but it's what it suggests that black should be. It's as if black should only be ghetto hood and and not be able to articulate, you know, words. So to me, I, I would love for us to get out of that space and shift that narrative that black people can be just as proper English speakers or whatever language they speak as as any other race. I agree with that. But one of the things you I I 100% agree with that. But one of the things you have to look at is if you're a child, right? And you haven't been exposed or the only thing that you see is on TV and the only people that I know that sound like that don't look like me, if I encounter you, I'm going to say, "Oh, you sound white because that's all I've been accustomed to. That's all I know." So that comes from a lack of exposure because if everybody around my set and everybody around my hood speaks exactly the same, but you look like me, but you don't sound like me. You sound like Mr. Rogers who I watch on TV. You know, who don't sound like nobody from my hood. That's a lack of exposure. And mm -hmm. so I think that's when programs, community programs do a great job with bringing different people in. So the children that are in those communities can see that people that look like them, we are not a monolith. So we are able to show up and be and, and we sound different. We, we, we celebrate different things. And mm -hmm. so I think it's a lack of exposure because you got to think about that same child who thought that. As they get older in that same environment, their mentality is not going to change. It's going to be the exact same. So when they get older and if they go off to college and they, let's say, a scholarship or something, 
The only people that they probably ever knew who did not speak like them was maybe a football coach or a basketball coach. But the basketball coach and football coach was white. So the only people in my mind are my other white teammates and everybody else, because this is where I came from. So now I'm in a huge university and I'm saying black kids from all over. And I'm like, oh, y'all talk white. <laughs> it's not necessarily in. I don't think that they're saying you talk white. For some people, it's, I've never been exposed. Like, I didn't know black people get talk like this. And I don't think it has anything to do necessarily with a, a education no level. I think is again, what they're exposed to. But that's just some people. There, are, we do have some ignorant people that be like, oh my God, a girl, you told why? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No, yeah, they fight first or two because, oh, uh, because they, when when you hear white people quote unquote talking or acting black, what's acting black? The stereotype that has been put out there is that all black people, like you said, are ghetto or ratchet or whatever. Yeah. Oh, you can totally tell when people culturally appropriate, though. Yeah, because I'd be like, Ooh. right in your face. They more culture than me, because I mean, I'm for the culture. But you like, you walk around here like, what was the lady name? Uh, Rachel. Uh, oh, no, no, yeah. Like, I mean, because you was down there marching with King too? Because I don't know. Because you, you more black than me. Oh, my gosh. You are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I. I mean, just like cornrows and, you know, that things that have been stereotypically black, you know, but then again, I mean, not to be funny, there's a lot of things black people can't have that are immediately, you know, that's, it's stolen. Popular rise when, when, when they do it. Yeah. When the people that's not us, you know, uh, go ahead and make it popular. Like, oh my God, look at what they got. Girl, we've been doing this forever. Like, Where are straight backs? Those are straight. Um, we've been wearing forever. Hell, Morgan was goddamn not even one years old, and I was putting the bonnet on her head. You said I had hair, and she had one. The silk scarf, all that. Yeah. Oh, no, I can't stand a bonnet. I, I, I only wear it if I go on vacations. Now, other than that, like I have when I when my hair was straight before, I used to have wrap. Just it always stayed wrapped, so my hair is super tamed. Now that it's curly, I'm like, look at here. If it ain't this rat's nest that's sitting up here right now, uh, it's it's just down. And I have a I do sleep in a silk pillowcase so that I don't have to put a the tension on your hair. Yeah, but the other part, oh, maybe it's just me. Y'all have y'all had natural hair longer than I have. Why is this shit so heavy? Well, I don't know. <laughs> it might be the product. No, it's no, it's not. I use a vegan product and my, it, with no product. It's just the more I've been growing my hair out, this shit is heavy. Well, it's, white people might say the same thing. I don't know what kind of hair they got. They got a lot of long hair and it might be heavy. They have might be heavy too. I don't know. I don't know, but I'm just like this curly stuff. I mean, sometimes when, when I'm walking around and it's just big and it's like hot, I'm like, it's, it's hot, hot. hot. Yeah. Oh, well, hot. yeah, that hot. Yeah, that heat. 
it's, oh, it's I it. what I got on. Ah. And I'm trying not to cut it. I, I want to see how long I can grow my naturally curly hair out. But this is, I'm struggling because it's heavy. It's heavy sitting up. It's heavy down. It's just not in my face and just making me hot. And I do my best to get as much shrinkage as I can. I'd be doing this so that it's not on my neck. And now it's on my neck. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm deciding if I'm going to get braids or not, but then braids are heavy. I'm just torn. But this is, I'm just wondering if anybody who is listening or can understand, please hit me in the DM and, or in Messenger. Send me an email. I'm easy to find. Tell me if your hair is heavy, if it's long and curly, because then I can just, you know, I can go ahead and get me a haircut because this is, this shit is a lot. It's a lot. Because so, you have natural hair, don't you? Uh, mm -hmm. but, but is it long though? I know y'all be cutting your hair and shit. So I yeah, I, cut, yeah, I cut my sides. My hair, my hair, I cut my sides, but the top part I haven't cut down. I've been natural um thirteen years. Oh my god! And I've been natural since baby. I've been natural since two thousand five. Does the top get heavy? Maybe I should just shave around the sides or something. Uh, okay. I'm not heavy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't even know. I don't even know. Okay. You know what? When I when I used to perm my hair, and I used to do my hair, I used to you know curl it, straighten it, all that. I would perm my hair once or twice a year, and then I was always flat ironing and rolling up. It was heavy for me then. I had well, I have a lot of thick long. My hair used to be down the middle of my back, and mm -hmm. so it would be thick and long. And Lord, I was tired of it, and <laughs> it feels like it's lighter to me now for some reason. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, my hair is lighter when it's relaxed. I remember that. I, I've not gone as long as some other people. Um, wow. Um, as long as other people. I just told my, my FaceTime went off and just threw me all the way off. Um, my hair was, used to be really, really long and relaxed. It was easy because, you know, I stay wrapped, but it was so, I don't know. But now it's like I have all my real strands. <laughs> it's not. It, it's a lot. It's a lot. And it's just a lot. And I'm watching it grow. So before I could barely, I was had a struggle ponytail at the top. And now I got a whole full-fledged <laughs> hair that just sits at the top. But I'm just, I'm struggling to figure out what I want to do with my hair at this point. So I don't know. Don't be surprised. Oh, quick, quick I just, question for Tina. Yes. Sorry, Alpine. No, you're one, right. Uh, one of my friends just texted me. Do you do telehealth work? Yes. I've been doing telehealth since twenty four, since twenty seventeen. Even before okay. the pandemic, I was doing. So she's listening, and she's like, "I really like her. I want to know. Do, do you do teenage? You work with teenagers? You have to be fourteen and up. You have to be okay. Yeah, she's older. Yeah, okay. So I'm gonna um, I'll reach out to you via text, and um, I'm gonna give her your information so she can reach out to you. Speaking of, where do you practice? I am in four states: Wisconsin, Texas, Georgia, Florida. Um, those are where I practice. It depends on, so I, so I'm also a life coach too, right? So it really just depends on what the issue is. If I am helping you to get motivated, get your shit together. Come on, girl. Come on. We need to do this. Oh Lord. My bad. I ain't mean you. Um, so I, I do an assessment to see what the individual would be best suited for based on the assessment that based on the information that I gather. Because okay. you know, there are even some people who used to be patients, but now I'm like, you guys. Like, How does telehealth work if, 
like say that person's in DC and you're in Florida, but you don't, you're not licensed not, in DC. Not for therapy, no. And that's what I'm saying. So you can't but the treat the life coach portion of it is okay. But you have to be very careful with that also, though. That's why I do a very in-depth um consultation to make sure because there are some people that try to get around when they're really doing therapy, which is unethical. Um, so you want to make sure that this person really like if they have a lack of motivation, or oh, I'm just confused, and I don't know what the hell going on, or things like that. You know, that can really be life coaching. Like you don't necessarily need like in-depth work. We going back like you, you know, we have to really work at these emotions and these feelings. But if you just like, girl, I don't even know. Well, insurance covers uh, therapy and like. I don't take insurance. Oh, so well, <laughs> you can pay the same amount. Okay. So I don't do that. I don't take insurance. Um but yeah, and they can also um, look at the New Art Center website too, because all of the clinicians there, they also do life coaching as well. So it might be something she might be like, oh, I think I like this person or this. And their rates are much more affordable than mine. <laughs> just to throw that out there. I'm just saying, I just want to put that out there because, you know, I'm the girlfriend therapist. Like you are branded. Yes. <laughs> and so like they have a little bit more of, so we, I have three different tiers in my practice and depending on the experience level. Now the quality is going to be there because I'm very particular about who I hire because at the end of the day, they're carrying my brand. Correct. So the quality is going to be there. It just comes with where they are in their career. So I have, Licensed me, been doing it for years, you know, certified in different modalities and everything like that. Then you have the registered interns. So these are state registered interns. And so before they can get their license, they must practice under a fully licensed individual for at least two years. So then that's the next tier. So instead of paying 155, well, 160 per session, they're paying 100 per session. So mm -hmm. that's like a $60 off. For some people, that $60 makes or breaks you. And then you have other individuals that are master's level clinicians. Those sessions are just $60. Okay. So it just really depends on what they're looking for. Good to know. Good to know. Mm -hmm. I have ears to my writing for that same reason. Mm -hmm. yep. quality. However, you anytime I'm giving up, I think people also forget as a writer, I'm giving up my intellectual property and giving it to you. Absolutely. That, that shit that I can actually be copywriting that could be benefiting my company and my SEO and my SEM and my user engagement and all of that stuff. Yep. Or that's what you're also paying for. So if, if anybody who writes, actually, if you have a writer, trust me, if it's cheap, kudos for you. I hope the quality is there. But are they, are, are they wanting to put their name on it? I mean, I can easily just say, well, you know what? As long as you put my name on it, I'll put it a little bit cheaper. Because when you go out on Google, my name is already going to be out there on all your shit and all your content, um, all your social media posts, because I do write social media captions as well. All your press releases, all your bios, all that stuff. You know, I could signature that, but I don't. I let it be yours. As a writer, I'm giving up a lot and people fail to understand. But that's why I even have on mine. The reason why here's how my prices are are brought up, you know, how I create my price list mm -hmm. for, you know, one, my expertise, my time 
and my intellectual property. Yep. That's how my service fees are created. So, and I'm, and I feel like I'm pretty damn fair, but I, I write all day long. That's what I do. The thing is, some people say like people won't pay, right? Okay. I say, don't waver on the cost for a lot of people, you know, like a lot of therapists, we're in social service. We got bleeding hearts. You know, we'd be like, you know, I want to help everybody. People can't pay this. The price is the price. What right. people don't understand is it costs a lot of money to be a therapist. You have continuing education units that you have must do that cost you in order to be licensed. You have liability insurance. You have slip and fall insurance. You have all of these certifications. You have all of these memberships that are beneficial for you to stay connected with. You have to not only, you just don't go into a session and start it. Depending on what they're working on, you may have to do some prep work. You have to follow up. So when people look at the price, they may be like $160. But you're not just paying for that hour, that 45 minutes that you are with the clinician. You are paying for much more than that. But you know what? I will say that is any legitimate business. Yeah. yeah. No matter what you do, if you are a business owner, there is overhead costs. There's time. There's administrative costs that you have to factor in there that goes into it. People don't just sit here and make soaps and lotions and hair products or T-shirts or whatever and not putting in manual labor. Every yeah. time you have to go in and you put stuff, they're, they're having to design and yeah. do all of those other things. Keep their, their websites up to date. There are so many costs associated with being a business owner that people just... I mean, even me finding time to do administrative stuff, you know, even if you have an assistant, you have to train assistants. If you had to change, you know, change assistants, get another one, hire people, fire people, make you do evaluations. There are so many levels to business that people don't understand. Now, if you're a business owner and it's just you and you're not doing any of those things, kudos to you. You're probably not going to be successful for that long. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that to be rude, but there are there is work consistent work involved in being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, whatever you want to call it. And there's always the, the back end work. I always equated this. You go to concerts, you love it. It's easy for you to get your ticket and go sit your ass in a seat. Not realizing there are people who got to clean the stadium and, and do all of this prep work, ticket sales, create the tickets, go in, you know, pick music out and, and do the choreography. There's so much back leg work that takes place that people don't see. You know, you don't pull up to McDonald's and just say, hand me a burger and they just throw it out the window. They give you a bun. They give you you know, everything. And then you have to put your burger together. There's a lot of prep work that goes into that. Mm -hmm. That is being in business. And so, like you said, I think one of the things that people need to understand that the cause should be the cause. Period. There shouldn't be unless that unless that business owner say, well, I'm having a sale today. Don't go asking them, well, how much can I get it for? Because no. I think that's extremely rude because of the amount of work that people have to put in. That's all I'll say about that. So really quick, um, Louisa, where can people connect with you? Because I know it's almost time for you to go around the corner. I know. I got to go around the corner. <laughs> you can connect with me at the Blue Phoenix Hills everywhere. And you guys... This is our last show until yeah. August. Until oh August 3rd. I know. Oh, I get it. Summer hiatus. Woo -woo. 
This is <laughs> yes, I'm going to love it. I'm going to love this time off. Yes. Uh, uh, Cortina, where can people connect with you at? You can connect with me at The Girlfriend Therapist, as you can see here on all social media platforms. You can also follow The Noir Center, and that's T-H-E-N-O-I-R Center, C-E-N-T-E-R. Um, check us out. That's our website as well, The Noir Center. And we are here for all of your black and brown emotional wellness needs. All right. And you can follow me at I-A-M-D-R-P-G-U-R-L-E-Y on all social media platforms. And then also at the Brown Girl Brown Boy series um, on Instagram as well. The tickets for the Atlanta Kids Red Carpet will release on June 1st. Uh, so be ready to go and get yours. All the information will be put out there at that time. So you got to follow me if you want to know uh, when things are going to be available. But I'm putting everything in motion for the promotions to start June 1st, which is next week. And like, you know, you can find uh, everything about this podcast at DAW Entertainment uh, backslash podcast. So, you know. It's where you can find us at right here. I mean, I can highlight it. Whoops, I did highlight it. Uh, <laughs> if you want to be on the show, get yourself in now because we're going to be back on August 3rd with all new live shows. A lot more fun. I already have people, and I've seen stuff come through um, on my side anyhow for people registering all the way for August. And we went all the way through up until the last two episodes, which is solo us, which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we thank everybody for you know tuning in with us every Wednesday and then turning back and just listening to the podcast. We, I mean, we literally love you for that. And just making sure that you know you you tune in. If you would like to contribute to any of our initiatives, because our platform is free for everybody to come on, hit us in the tip jar at www.buymeacoffee.com backslash h herspiration hh. And with that, you know, everybody have an amazing summer and break off. And yeah, yes. We will be back on August the 3rd. And I don't know what I just did. Okay. I, said, well, I will be back on August the 3rd. And with that, everybody, cheers. cheers.